Hey, thanks so much for joining us on the Rise Church podcast. We're a church in Southeast Idaho on mission to help people take steps in relationship with Jesus. For more information, check us out at risechurchid.org. All right, enjoy the message. Well, it's a pleasure to get to preach the word of God and share the Bible with you guys this morning. We are going through the gospel of Mark. I know there's a number of new faces with us. We're uh, not too far in. This is part number 36. It's all right. It's really easy to, uh, to jump into, though. Here's basically what's been going on within this, this gospel uh, so far. We've seen all of the things in Jesus's life take place. We've seen one of the primary things that he's done is to make disciples. And practically what that looked like was him saying, hey, you look like a cool dude. Follow me. Come, follow me. Come walk in my ways. Let me show you what life in the kingdom of God looks like. And so what does Jesus do? He just kind of lets him be and that, that's it. No, no. What Jesus does is he examples it so that they can see this is what life in the kingdom looks like. So he's around loving people, right? He's serving people. He's looking for the outcasts in society. He's paying attention to all of those people. He's saying this is what life in the kingdom of God looks like. He's demonstrating power, right? As blind eyes are opening, as people who never walked before are now being able to walk. That's the power of God. All of these things are taking place within the gospel story. And as we were reading Mark, one of the things that we're seeing is he keeps saying immediately, so it's almost like he's, he's got the, the spurs, they're spurring into us. He, he's got the, the whips, he's going, psh, 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 and we're going. And Mark's like, immediately this happens, and immediately this happens, and immediately this happens. Clearly Ben's had too much caffeine. <laughs> At least that's what it feels like with Mark. It's like, go, 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 go. And then we get to Holy Week. And he like pulls the e-brake. I don't know, we would never do that. Going, going super fast, but he pulls the emergency brake, slows us way down, and now we're just tiptoeing through Holy Week. He has gotten us here so quickly so that we would pay attention to what's going on in this week, Holy Week. We've, we've seen Jesus walk into Jerusalem where everyone's excited, and they're like, Hosanna. They're putting down the palm leaves, right? They're laying them all down. They're like, yes, he's here. He's about to overthrow Rome. It's about to go down. But it didn't go down the way that they thought that it was going to go down. Instead of coming in on a white horse with this huge army with him, he comes in on a donkey, Yes, we've, we've got some things to say about that. And instead of overthrowing Rome, he overthrows tables in the courtyard. So Jesus is looking completely different, and Mark wants us to grab a hold of this. There's something special about this man. He's not just coming in the way that everyone wants us to look, and there may be some freedom in that where we've got some people in our lives who are saying, this is what you should look like. This is what culture looks like. This is what it looks like to be cool. I don't even know if they use that word anymore. Kai, do they still use that word? Cool, cool, is that still a thing? Okay, all right, all right, right. If it's not even like, 
this is what it has to be in order for you to look professional, in order for you to be a quote unquote American, in order for you to have, you've, you've got to have the white picket fence, you've got to have the, the big mansion, you've got to have all of this stuff, right? And maybe there's some freedom in Jesus not looking like what everyone wanted him to, wanted him to look like, in him just saying you to you, you don't have to look like what society's telling you to look like. You don't have to look like what your friend group is telling you to look like. You have to look like what God is calling you to look like. And there's something special to that. What does that need to look like? Well, it's the summation of the Ten Commandments. It's love God, love each other. Love God, love people. How do I do that better? If you run away with anything today, please don't run away. But if you leave here in this time... I mean, maybe you got to get somewhere for ball or whatever, you know, that's your thing, um, right? But whatever you leave here, leave here considering this question. How can I love God more and how can I love people more? For some of us, sometimes one is easier than the other. For me, loving God is easy. Loving people, y'all. Oh, Lord, give me strength. I get to Monday morning and I'm like, ooh, God, is this really another week? Are there more people? Ooh. <laughs> For some of us, it's the opposite. Where we're like, people are cool, people are fine. I get people. I was made to be with people. But loving God is a little bit more difficult. Just know that the grace of God is there for you on whichever one of those you are. But either way, we want to consider how, how do we love God more? And how do we love people more? I don't know. Maybe you need to write it down. Maybe you need to write it on your, on your mirror. Maybe you need to think about it. Maybe you need to really pray about it. Here's what I know about God, is that if we were to truly ask him and seek him as to how we are to love him and love people better and more and more fully, he's going to answer. He's going to answer. And so here's my encouragement. If you do this, if you take this challenge, you ask in God, how do I love you? How do I love people more? And you get an answer. Here's my challenge. Share it with somebody. Share it with somebody who's going to keep you accountable. Accountability isn't just for some step programs. Accountability is for life. Accountability is a biblical thing. Let's make sure we've got some accountability in our lives. Amen? Well, all of that was free. It was not a part of my notes. You are welcome. I will not charge for that. <laughs> We're going to go ahead and uh, jump into the scriptures where we're at. Mark chapter 12, verses 18 through 27. And as we read the scriptures together, I just want you to always remember that this is not a performance. What this is, is practice for us in our day-to-day -day lives when we walk through the Bible. And so as, we're, as I'm reading through the Bible Go ahead and read it too. We're going to have the words up on the screen and maybe just consider to yourself what's, what's popping out of the text? What catches my eye? Because this is what we ought to be doing on a normal, normal basis as we read the Bible. Starting in verse 18 of Mark chapter 12. Um, before we do, someone had asked about uh, the process of water baptisms. We're going to get to water baptisms here at the end of service. And so my message is only going to be like three and a half hours. And so we're totally going to get there. <laughs> People, people who haven't been here are like, 
is that funny joke, ha ha, or is he serious? Definitely not serious. It'll be shorter than that. But let's get into the word. Verse 18 of Mark 12 says, and the Sadducees came to him. Who are we talking about? So I'm going to say Jesus. <laughs> Sadducees came to Jesus. The Sadducees didn't come to the Sadducees. The Sadducees came to Jesus. And uh, they say that there is no resurrection. So they have this belief that, um, that people cannot be raised from the dead. Okay? This is the basis of our conversation this morning. And they asked him a question saying, Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife, but leaves no child, the man must take the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. And then they keep building the story. Like, okay, all right, I'm, I'm getting it. Verse 20. There were seven brothers, though. The first took a wife, and when he died, there was no, no offspring. Okay? And then the second took her and died, leaving no offspring. And then the third, likewise, and the seventh left no offspring. Last of all, the woman also died. So in the resurrection, we already know that they don't believe in resurrection, so they're asking the question. So in this resurrection, when they rise again, I feel like, okay, we're just going to, yeah, it's too funny. All right. In this resurrection, um, where, where are we at? 23, thank you so much. In this resurrection, when they rise again, whose wife will she be? For the seventh had her as a wife, looking at all of these people, and we're having this picture of all these guys standing up in heaven, waiting for their wife. Isn't that a thing? Like, men waiting for their wives. Okay, anyways, I thought that was funnier. <laughs> Sorry, babe. She's at home. I love you. Yeah, all the time. Yeah, yeah. And Jesus said to them, I love the way that Jesus responds, okay? Is this not the reason you are wrong? I love it. I'm going to start using that. Hey, isn't this the reason that you're wrong? Okay, I just, I just, I love, I love starting off the conversation like that. I'm going to start using this with my kids. Someone needs to write this down. Is this not the reason you are wrong? Because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. Whoa. You, so basically, you don't know the scriptures or the power of God. Wow, okay. For when they rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. By the way, just make it clear that there is the word like angels in heaven. That means there's a similarity. It does not mean that they turn into angels. Just, just for clarity, okay? There's a lot of theology that branches off that verse, and you forget some of the semantics there but are like angels in heaven. And as for the dead being raised, have you not read the book of Moses in the passage about the bush? How God spoke to him saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He's not the God of the dead, but of the living. You are quite wrong, done, period, end of paragraph, end of story, close the title, you're wrong, I'm right. That's the way I like to do my, my discussions with people. It uh, doesn't always work, especially when you're wrong. Um, but let's go ahead and pray. Father God, we thank you so much for your word. We believe that it is inspired by you, that it is inerrant and infallible, 
that it is profitable for reproof and correction, for building us up in righteousness, that it would prepare us for every good work. And so, Holy Spirit, we just ask you to teach us this morning. Lead us in your ways. The things that are meant to stick out to each one of us, we ask that you would cause it to stick. Help us to pay attention. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. In 2014, there was a large social survey where they conducted by three major universities with 58,000 people. And many people were asked this question, "Do do you believe that there is life after death? For me, as I read that, I'm like, do you believe in love after But, but that's, that's not what this is. Do you believe in life after death? That was pretty good tone, though, right? I, I'll have to replay that. Do you believe that there is life after death? 80% said yes. 80% said that they believed that there was life after death. And yet, most of them have no idea about the other beliefs of like what that actually is or what that actually looks like. They couldn't point to a specific place where they would find that understanding. It's all just kind of like, huh, yeah, this is what I believe. Isn't this a picture of today's society? This, this is reality of the world that we live in. We throw our beliefs out there. This is what I believe. This is what I stand for. Oh, okay, well, why? I don't know. That, that's, that's just what, that's what mama said. That's what, that's what mama said. I, like, mama said, knock you out. And anyways. Right, but that is the world that we live in. There's this unsure of what we believe and why we believe it. And we just throw out all of these things and then we'll find ourselves years down the road and we're just putting the flag in the ground and saying, this is where I firmly stand. And you look under your feet and there's nothing firm about where you stand at all. It's becoming more and more prevalent today that there's this belief as that 80% number has dropped quite significantly, especially in light of the world events and everything going on. And there's this belief that's taking place. It's called... Nihilism, that nothing in this life matters at all. There is nothing on the other side of this life, and so I might as well do whatever I want right here and right now and get all the pleasure that I get, can get from everything, whatever I want in my, in my life, because nothing's going to matter anyways. And you can see how that could be fun in the, in the short time. Like right here and right now, you could see how that, that could be fun. I just I, I have the freedom to do whatever. No consequences, whatever. But think about that on a bad day. I've been there. Think about that on a bad day. There's no point to any of this. After this is, is nothing. There's no hope for anything. That sounds really dark. And that's where a lot of people are in our society today. They're just saying, this is, this is really dark. Life is really dark. I don't, know, I don't know what to do. It's because they need to hear the truth. They need to hear the truth that there is hope in Jesus Christ, that there is such thing as resurrection, and we're going we're gonna to get into this. But let's break down this, this text just a little bit. We're introduced to a new party. 
We've talked about the Pharisees. They lead the religious structure for this time. We've talked about the Herodians. They're the Jews that support Herod in the political side of things. And then you have the Sadducees. How in the world are we going to remember the Sadducees? Anybody? Because they're sad, you see. I saved my dad joke for the sermon specifically for you. You're so welcome. They're sad, you see, because they look at the future and they're like, there's nothing there. There's no hope. And so that makes them sad, you see. This is who, yeah, I said it twice and I'm still getting laughs. This is going to keep going on for the whole week. Y'all know you're going to go home and be like, hey, what pastor talk about today? They're sad, you see. We're all going to remember that. That's good Bible teaching. Someone give Pastor Ben a tap on the back. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but these Sadducees were uh, made up of the, the senior leaders. They were the, the chief priests. They were the high priests of this time. And they were aristocrats. And so they're working towards uh, the party of the elite, the most powerful of all of society. These are these, these folks. They were in charge of the temple and they were getting nervous as Jesus is coming and becoming more prominent. They're getting nervous of an insurrection because, again, that would mean that they would lose power, that they would lose influence. Now, their, their theology, once again, was that they, they didn't believe in resurrection. They believed that once you died, that was, that was it. Sometimes some of them would believe that it was just simply a continuation of this life. It's like you die and then you, you have just some more life and it looks exactly the same. And that's where this whole thought process happens. That's where this whole question comes out of like, okay, I'm going to be a relationship and everything um, in this life is going to be exactly the same in the new life. And it's not necessarily a resurrection, it's just like, it just a continuation of it. This is kind of the way that they thought about it. And so they're like, what about this dude who has seven wives? By the way, this wasn't something that actually took place. This was like, you know, you're with your three-year-old, and they're like, huh, what about this? And throws out this huge, like, thing that would never actually happen, right? This is, this is what they're, they're throwing out there. In addition to this, this party, the Sadducees, did not believe in angels or demons. They rejected the oral law, the Mishnah, and a hundred, uh, all of the other different commandments that were kind of clumped into there. They didn't, they didn't believe in, in any of these things. But at the same time, they didn't have any substance for what they did believe. And so again, they just had these deep, deep theological thoughts, and they couldn't point to anywhere. And so they ask this question to Jesus. They say, teacher Moses, uh, teacher Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves these kids, leaves uh, the wife behind, but no kids, his brother should marry the wife and raise him up. And it goes back to this whole understanding of uh, what's called Leverite marriage. Now, 
In order to fully understand this, this text, we've got to understand the context. Anytime we, anytime we go into the Bible and we're reading and we just open to a page, we've got to understand what is going on around. What are they actually talking about? What are they referring to? And so this brings us back to Deuteronomy 25, verses 5 and 6. Let me read that to you. When brothers live together and one of them dies and has no son... The wife of the deceased shall not marry outside of the family to a stranger man. Um, her husband's brother shall go into her and take her to himself as a wife and perform the duties of a husband to the brother. And that way, this lineage will continue. Well, why is that important? Because God is sending, at this point in Deuteronomy, God is sending the people into the promised land where they're going to be allotted groups of uh, specific amounts of land for each family, but they're going to be surrounded by all these other nations. And so what God is doing is he's trying to make sure that this stays within the family. This is something that's promised. It's, it's been provided for you, and we want to make sure that you keep what's been given to you. You've got to protect what God has given to you. And I think that goes for many of us. I felt like there was a, a caution here for some people in our, in our midst that God has handed down some things through our family. Maybe there's some gifts that's been handed down. Maybe it's your salvation that you've kind of continued to walk under as, as God has, has passed it down from generation to generation to generation. Don't lose it. Don't lose it. Don't lose what God has given you. Don't lose what God has promised you. The things that you have a, a hold of now, don't let those things go. Some people need to be writing that down. But again, they are asking this question to get Jesus into a corner, to uh, prove that he is wrong because they don't believe in resurrection. And so here's what Jesus does. And this is an example for all of us who come face to face with anything where people are like pointing fingers at us, trying to um, get us into a corner, trying to prove us where we're wrong, especially when it comes to Christianity. Here's what Jesus does. He corrects them in truth and in love. Sometimes it's easier just to give the truth and like slap it down. I feel like there's a reminder. We've got to do it with truth and in in love. But it says again in verse 24, Jesus said to them, is this not the reason that you're wrong? Now, when I presented it and I read it first, I did that kind of like as a smackdown, like you're wrong. But it's more of this calm, like, listen, you are wrong. It, it is firm. There, this is truth. It is done in love. But then he goes on to explain it. And he, he says, you're wrong because you don't know the scriptures nor the power of God. If Jesus says this to them, whenever we're reading the Bible, we should prompt those questions towards ourselves as well. Do I know the scriptures? Do I know the power of God? And it's something that we should always be growing in, in our understanding and just walking out in, in life practically. Maybe you're someone who's never even thought of that, the power of God. What, is that, what does that even mean? Well, that is a good prompt for you to dive deeper in the word of God as to what this is talking about. You don't know the scriptures nor the power of God for when they rise from the dead, 
They neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. So he's saying there's, there's a differentiation that takes place. Life is not just a continuation after you die. There is a different way. Uh, there, there's a different, different reality that you step into when this takes place. We're not gonna do a full theology of what takes place, like a full eschatology lesson here this morning, but just to say that Jesus is correcting them. The truth of scripture is that people do die, their bodies do go into the ground, but the Bible says that Jesus is coming again. When he comes, there's gonna be thunder and there's gonna be trumpets. He's gonna come in the sky and all of those who are alive with Jesus are gonna rise and the dead in Christ will then rise also and we will be with Jesus there in for eternity and we will have new bodies. And what's really cool is that we'll have new names too. It's almost like I, I think about like what, what's my name gonna be? I'm like, big, strong hunk of a man. <laughs> Is that, is that what it's going to be? I don't, I don't even know. I, what, what is your name going to be in heaven? It, it's something that truly defines who you are. So that would fit, right? No. <laughs> Being silly, of course, but like, what, what is that going to be like? There's going to be a clear differentiation. Life's not going to be just like it is right, right here. Heaven is going to be different. It talks about like streets with gold. It, it, it talks about a place where there's no more pain, no more sickness, no more disease, you think about all of those things that are a part of our life here today. It's such a reality. It's burdensome. It brings grief. And to look forward to a time where none of that even exists. That's incredible. That's incredible. Jesus is correcting him and saying, listen, you guys are missing the whole purpose of love right marriage. You're missing the context of it. You are missing that this was meant for the, uh, the protection of what's been handed down, the, the keeping of the promises of, of God. You're missing this. He also makes this, this claim, almost this correction, is like saying, you believe in the God of the Torah. So here's, here's literally what you believe. This is all like behind the scenes, like in the context of what Jesus is saying. But he's like, so before everything was... There's just a whole abyss of nothingness except for God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They're there. God opens his mouth and poof, there's galaxies. You believe in that, but you don't believe that God can raise from the dead? What? Right? And this is exactly what we get when we interact with the world around us with the truth of Scripture. This is the type of example we get to say, this is what you believe in? It doesn't even make sense. Let me shed some light on this and let me do this in a loving way. Let me walk with you in, in growing to know Jesus. Jesus could have gone to so many different places and he could have gone to the Torah. He could have talked about Sheol. He could have gone to the different times in the Psalms where they talked about being raised up in glory to praise him. He could have gone to Daniel 12 that states that some will rise and have everlasting life and others would have shame. He could have mentioned Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Isaiah, who all speak of our bodies being raised to life. But instead, Jesus goes to a place that these people are familiar with. He goes back to Exodus and says, have you not read in the book of Moses? This is the one that you guys know a lot about. This is the one that you focus on. In this 
passage about the bush, how God spoke to him saying, I'm the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He's not a God of the dead, but he's a living. He's living. You guys are quite wrong. In other words, saying they've been raised to life. God's not a God of just dead, decaying pieces of, of dust. They've been raised to life. There's more to this story, and you guys are overlooking this. It's time to give this some serious, some serious attention. And so Jesus corrects their, their assumptions about resurrection and that it, it does, there is a time where people are raised to life from after, after death. So application points for us to consider as we work our way towards um, baptisms. Worship team, if you guys want to just go ahead and make your way up here, that'll make me a little bit more skippy. First application point, we must discern false theology. We've got to know the difference between real theology, correct, accurate Bible, and just the thoughts and the beliefs of the world. Thoughts and beliefs that have just come from, I don't know, backgrounds, generations, Hollywood, right? The newspaper. We've got to understand there's a truth in Scripture and then there's what's being fed to us by the world. And, and this is something that should continually shock us. If you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, you should be like continually just being amazed at the contrast between life in the kingdom of God and life in this world. Because we're fed so much stuff, y'all. It's constantly coming in. And we've got to correct it with the truth of, of Scripture. You think, of, you think of children. I've, I've got a few of them. I'm not sure how it happens, guys. It just keeps happening. We've, we've got some children. One of the things that they don't quite understand, especially as they get popped out, they don't quite understand. That's what happens, right? It's, that's what they taught in school. Um, some, some of you are teachers in here, and you're like, that's not what we taught. <laughs> but um, they, they don't distinguish good from bad. And so one moment, they're, they've got their kitty toy. Literally, this like takes, took place like probably this morning. Kitty toy in the mouth. Next moment, they got the dog bone. You're like... <laughs> like that same dog... Okay, we're not even going to go there, but like... Think about where that's been. Ooh, you've got to know. You've got to know that. And then you, you can get to like insecticides and, and things like that. It's things that can be super, super dangerous. We've heard these horror stories. But they don't know the difference between good and bad. Because that's what kids are like. And maybe we're finding our ourselves in a place where we're like kids in the kingdom of God. Where we don't fully know right from wrong. That's okay. This is okay if we're, if we're there because God meets us there. I don't care where there is. God will meet you there. What God wants to do is meet you there and help you take steps and maturity in, in Jesus. Starts with reading your Bible. Starts with reading your Bible. We must discern false theology. Number two, we must live in light of eternity. We don't live like nothing is going to happen in, in the future. We live like, I've, I've got hope. 
We live like, I've got to make a difference now because I've got a short amount of time. God's called me to be a missionary. Inside, you're saying, who, me? Yes, you. God's called each of us to be missionaries. I don't care what the context is. Wherever you live, wherever you go, that is your mission field, to spread the love of Jesus. By the way, here's what that doesn't look like. Okay. If anything, it's, come on, come with me. We're not shaking it this way. We're shaking it upward. We're pointing towards Jesus. Make sure you use the right finger. <laughs> Got to live in light of, of eternity. Here's the scripture in Matthew 6, 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves cannot break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Where's your heart? Where's your heart? Where's their treasure? Has the world captured your heart? Is your affection, is your drive all for the things of this world? Or is there an eternal picture? Number three, we must rejoice in the hope of resurrection. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, No eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. I think about just the, the grief of those, the many friends and loved ones that I have lost. And I look forward to the hope of seeing them again. I look, I look forward to processing with them all the, all the mistakes I've made, all the, all the good choices that I made, the, the few of them here and there, right? I, I, I look forward to that with hope and excitement. I think about just the, the pictures that are painted of, of heaven, of just joy, overwhelming joy in the presence of, of God. I've tasted and seen some incredible moments in the presence of God, but to be face to face with him without any more pain, without any more tears, without any more of the sickness and, and the broken things of this world. Whew. We've got to rejoice in the hope of resurrection. Amen. I want to invite Pastor Nick up here as I just have kind of a prompt close on the message. We want to move into a time of celebration as we talk about the hope of resurrection and we're talking about water baptism. I just keep thinking about the excitement of, it says that when one person turns from their sin and gives their life to the Lord, that the angels in heaven rejoice. And so today, as we get to water baptized, man, if you got to sit, that's cool. But for the rest of us, like, let's do some jumping. Like, you don't need to do your cardio later. We can get it done right here. We can do your squats. We can do your lunges. You can do, okay, Pastor Nick, take it. Hey, thanks again for joining us on this Rise Church podcast. If this was a blessing to you, there's a number of things that could do to help us continuing to minister to the world around us and getting that good news about Jesus Christ out. 
Could you like this podcast? Could you share this podcast? Could you quote this podcast? All of those would be a great blessing. If you would like to give financially to Rise Church to help us continue on this mission, please go to risechurchid.org. Be blessed, my friend.